Hi, everyone. You're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Abby Morgan, the founder of Cup. Listen, I know I talk a lot on this podcast about my breasts and their need for something that will hold them up, and Abby has answered my call. I really love her story, how she founded her company, and also her product. So take a listen about how she got her start. So I'm with Abby Morgan, the co-founder of Cup. Hello. C-U-U-P. Yep. I just want to say, and I'm not sponsored by beautiful bras. And as soon as I'm done uh, with my 21-month-old monkey sucking the life out of my my husband columns, my frosting bags, I will be coming to you <laughs> to get fitted. <laughs> so thank you for being here today. Mm, thank you for having me. I discovered you on Instagram. Amazing. And I was like, that's a good bra. Yes. I'm so happy that you think that. Yeah. <laughs> So I would love to hear, like, where, like, how did you get started? Why you wanted to enter the market? Yeah. Um, so I got started because I worked at Free People for a long time, and I saw, like, it was kind of at the beginning of the bralette taking off, and it was all about, you know, how much lower can we get and how, like, free can we be without wearing bras? And it was great, and it was amazing to kind of see that trend take off. But then I had a friend who, she's a 38E, and she was like, Abby, you're so mean. Do you know what this actually feels like when you have boobs? It feels terrible. It feels terrible. And she was like, not only that, but she's single. It's close to 40, and she, she was talking about the bras that she has to wear. She has to, like, take off and then kick under her drool because she doesn't want the guy that she's hooking up with to see these bras. Yeah, they're, they're old lady bras. Yeah, matronly, and there's slings and extra fabric. And it's just like there wasn't an opportunity in the market for something that made her feel really sensual and made her feel supported and beautiful. So knowing that, and then also going on my own bra journey where I went to Journal and I tried to get fit and I, and and I got fit by actually a bra therapist that we hired at Cup after amazing um and it was such a beautiful experience it was like something that hadn't done since I was like 17 years old and kind of just always thought I was a 34C and and never wore um underwire bras because they were so uncomfortable cuz they just kept sliding up and I finally went in and found out I was a 30E which I didn't even know that size existed wow And so, and I was like, I had this whole size stigma, like, I can't be an E cup. Like, what does that mean in terms of my size? And you also don't look like you're an E. I know, because you don't realize that 30, you know, 28 bands to 42 bands, like, there's so many different body types in actual cup sizes. Um, But because we've been kind of forced to think about or fit into 17 sizes versus the 60 that we actually should be in, We've kind of got this like size stigma around like what we think cup size should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I thought E was like, oh, you should have like porn star boobs or something like what? That's like crazy. You know, like what does that even mean? Um, just this like negative commentation, connotation sexually about like what that looks like and also how you should be wearing your you know, how, where your boobs are positioned on your body and, and just kind of the different option set that you even have at a cup size like that, right? Yeah. Um, so just like really negative feelings with it. So I got this bra in um, and essentially there was one bra in my size at Journal, which is like the best, I, it, this is Manhattan, you know? Right. And I get this bra and it's, I won't name it, but it, it had like memory foam and lace and it was just not my style at all. You know, it felt great. So I wore it every single day. Um, but it was like a Band-Aid nude that just didn't look very good. And again, like I'd take it off and not want to, 
not want to be seen in it by my boyfriend. And I was just thinking like, this is, you know, I'm not that different of a size. You know, there's so many women who are also my size and um, how are there just so limited options for what we actually feel sexy and supported in. So that's the product side, how I how I came to this, but um, with my co-founders also. Um, but I would say like the passion side is I've always had an extreme passion and an innate curiosity about brands being catalysts for change. And it's like my MO since like first starting out, I worked at Vimeo for a while and I've just always had this like this passion about kind of we have a responsibility as brands and there's a beautiful movement that you can create with a brand. So how can I create something positive that's actually making like real change and shaping culture in this world? So when this opportunity came up and it was like I connected with my co-founder who had done a lot of market research and came from kind of the private equity world. So he had a lot of understanding of the actual like white space kind of thing. And then um, our other co-founders, one had worked at Victoria's Secret for a very long time, so really knew kind of the merchandising and all the technical things that she wanted to solve for. And then another one who um, worked with me at Free People and were just kind of like work wives, essentially. And I was really interested in fashion of creating a brand that could actually be meaningful and do, do some real work. Um, and I thought like what an opportunity this could be with the most intimate things that we're wearing. And like at the center of, of this company has to be support because the product has to support you, right? Like, could we create a community that could also support? So we literally support with a product, figuratively with a community. And can we actually start to change some of the ways that we look at ourselves and our bodies? Um, and then essentially like build a narrative um, and a story around that. So that was what I was really interested in. And I thought like in where we're going right now, when I looked at the other brands kind of post Me Too movement and this like what I call like the love yourself zeitgeist, like like where's this like conversation of real vulnerability? Yep. And where's this conversation around like the defining what sexy is? So I was looking and it's like this most intimate category, these bras and these underwear. You've got really, really sexy, which is kind of like sexy through a male lens, in my opinion, and some brands that we all know are in that category. And then you've got this kind of like norm core body inclusivity uh, movement happening, which is so beautiful, but didn't identify with me because it didn't feel sensual. Not at all. Some of the stuff that's launched, I'm like, why would you ever want to wear that? Like, no one wants to see you naked in that. And I get that yeah. you're like anti-Victoria's Secret, but like, come on. I look sexier in my post-baby underwear than some of this stuff. Yeah, I, exactly. And it's like, you want to feel sexy. It's, totally. And it's okay to feel sexy. It's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. And I, <laughs> this like reclaimed sensuality. So I started going down this path of like, what makes you feel sensual? And there's so many things that go into it. And it's such a nuanced conversation, but it was one of the biggest things was kind of like feeling sexy for yourself first. Totally. And feeling like it, it, it's that feeling versus like needing to kind of like capture somebody else's interest or attention with it. Um, and I thought that was really powerful because I was looking around and thinking about some of the most like sensual and confident women that I found just really inspiring like people like my mom and, and different people and um, and they were never doing it for other people. They, they really did it for themselves. So being able to create a brand where we could visually show that 
and show all different people and ages and walks of life and 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 be able to then create a platform which is called Body Talk, um, which stands for a body of women in support of a woman's body, where those people can tell their story. Oh, cool! And and if we could do that and actually change the way people see themselves, like that was the goal for me with Cup. Wow. And, Just um, a small goal. I know. <laughs> it's really cool, though, Rebecca. I had um, the I got a DM this weekend, and this woman literally said she's she was like, "I'm from Amsterdam, and I like really want to work at Cup. I'm moving back to New York, and um, and she said like I really love how you've changed my perspective of how I see myself. And it was just like to hear that narrative back from a, a customer, and and it's just great. It's totally great. I remember I was using my nursing bras that were like seven years old and I finally like bit the bullet and bought new ones. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's where your breast should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it just changes how everything feels. Yeah. So how did how did you fund it? How did you start up? And what's it like working with four co-founders? Yeah, great question. Um, so we started it by, it was a conversation between essentially three friends. Um, so Kieran and Lauren and I, Lauren I'd known for a long time and I worked with her as a client when I was at Vimeo and then we worked together at Free People very closely. And we just had this same kind of curiosity and passion around what I just discussed, but also um, she's a really great visual storyteller and I um, kind of communicate the story in different ways as well. So Lauren was very good friends with Kieran socially and essentially like he when we started talking about this topic and realizing that there was a need he had all of this market research um he actually tried to he was with Blackstone and had tried to buy La Perla many years back so he really knew the the opportunity and then he brought Kristen who is our fourth co-founder and she essentially he he had connections with the supply side chain and different things actually with with making bras cuz that's one of the things that's so complicated is it's 37 different steps to make one of these bras. And a lot of them are actual tailoring. It's not just machines because the fabric has to be manipulated in such specific ways. So like having someone who really understands the technical um, of this and being able to kind of achieve this this visual that we wanted that was lightweight and and very um, minimal and what we thought was like a modern approach to, to bras, but being able to actually make them work was, I mean, it took us two years to develop wow. bra. Did yeah. you continue to have a day job during those two years? I had to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was bootstrapped. I mean, we had kind of, it was just, it was founder funded essentially. Yeah. Um, and we were planning on doing that through launch. And then Kiernan, who's connected in, again, the PE and, and venture capital world, um, he actually received a call from Forerunner, who are one of our lead investors. And they- Love Kirsten. She's so amazing. Yeah. And, and, and Melissa. Shout out to Melissa. Yeah. They're so great and and have been so supportive in championing the mission. And also like being able to kind of understand the passion that we have that's not just about selling products, but actually building a brand and a community. Yeah. And they've been really supportive of that too. So- so yes, we um, received seed funding from them and then Global Founders Capital, and now we're actually just going into our Series A, which I've never done before, and it's wild. <laughs> what is the most wild part? Um, I think it's communicating the feeling and brand vision at times to men. 
Um, right. and, and that feeling of sensuality, it's, you know, that's a really tough conversation to have at the investment level when when a lot of the conversations around financials and kind of looking at P&Ls and stuff. Totally. Yeah. So that's definitely been one of the hotter. The other one is just, it's a whole, it's a new job on top of your job. Yeah. So as a founder, when you've got, you know, we, we have 19 amazing women in the office um, and, and being the inspiration for them and, and really leading them while also trying to concept for future. And then also, I mean, you know, and then manage the team on top of kind of making sure everything is actually delivering, being the face outside and somehow having a balance for your life. No, is, there's yeah. no balance. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. But. So what do each of your co-founders do and what happens when you don't agree? Yeah. Um, so the primarily Kiernan and I are in the office day to day. Okay. Um, our co-founder who heads product development, she has three kids, um, so she works from home for the most part, and she's in constant communication with the factory. So her her time sometimes starts at 10 p.m. Right. So, and then Lauren lives in L.A., so Lauren has less involvement day-to-day, um, -day, but is really involved in kind of like the big old, bigger visual directions for campaign and in the overall kind of like brand. I would say like day-to-day -day decisions are really Kiernan and I, um, and he he's an incredible support at just kind of really realizing that this is a um, a topic that's like inherently female. Mm -hmm. So he really supports, he knows his lane in terms of direction. Um, and he, I think one of the things I love the most about this team is I we started a startup with adults. So to be able to work with people who are really experts in each of their domain is amazing. Yeah. And I really love it because I, I feel so supported. Like I'm really not great with finance. I'm trying with my own personal ones, but like if you give me a, a financial kind of like PNL to review, like I'm not gonna be able to make those instinctual decisions Same. as Kieran Unwood. Yeah. Same. It's so tough. Um, it's so hard. And it's it's another language. Yes. And and that so to be able to have four co-founders who all speak the different languages, but then can come together and respect each other for it. Um it's great. So decisions Decently easy. That's good. Yeah. That's shocking. I know. <laughs> I think that means we've got a really good team. <laughs> so what have been some of the bigger challenges that have felt like, did I do the right thing? Yeah. Should I keep going? Yeah. Oh, so many every day. I know. Um, I tell people that. I'm like, I don't want to be a downer, but <laughs> it's never easy. No. There's never enough time in the day. No. That's one of my biggest I would say, I would say some of the bigger challenges um, for me have been the product development and really understanding, trying to get the aesthetic that I want that Lauren and I push for, but also making sure that the product technically works and, and fits across from a 30A, the same fit to a 38G or H and making sure it's the same experience like that. I mean, it takes, you know, 18 months to to properly start developing into the R&D phase of another, another product. So that's been really hard to kind of figure out that like manipulation of it because before it was, you know, at Free People, the product cycles are a lot less. Well, it's also a piece of tissue paper that yeah. they strap onto a shoestring and they're like, here you go, ladies. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, that's not not this lifetime, not yeah. for me, <laughs> not for these frosting bags. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely been a struggle. Um, and then I would say I've really been educated in focusing on less skews. And, and focusing on really developing a, a really core collection of products that are meaningful 
versus I, I like I want to add more and I want to like play with more you know fabric or um, or go into different categories because I just I love what we're creating so much and I see so much opportunity and I think um, being able to really focus and keep the team focused has been been a struggle and something that I'm constantly kind of like teaching myself. Right. Not going after every shiny thing. Exactly. I'm a shiny thing go-getter. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> yeah, me Just, too. <laughs> like how about a collaboration where we sell nothing, but <laughs> it's fun to read about your name in print. Exactly. <laughs> and it's beautiful <laughs> creating something. Um, and then I would say finding that balance and taking care of yourself um, as a, a co-founder and a leader and, and um taking the time for you. And it's because there is no time, it's really difficult, but um, your health struggles and your mood and the type of leader you can be, you know, and that's, that's definitely something I'm, I'm constantly working on. Yeah. It's not just a problem for moms. Yes. <laughs> Although I don't know how you do that. That's amazing. So the, the last time I felt truly educated about a bra and how long I should wear it. And like, if it's hiking up, was probably Oprah. Mm-hmm. So for those women, <laughs> for those women who aren't going to go into a journal or don't have that, like, how long is too long to have a bra? And should you not wear it every day? You should absolutely wear a bra every day. But the second it stops supporting you, you should change your bra. And how do you know? Um, so essentially, when your bra... First of all, when your bra isn't sitting exactly on your chest and your clavicle as it should. So if it's not... They, they call it the gore of your bra, which is the center of your bra. And it should really be positioned under it on your breastplate, but under your breast tissue. Okay. And then the other thing is the second that the wire starts poking you or, and our wires, we really focused on something that was a lot more movable um, and, and essentially moved in kind of three dimensional versus two, which was a lot of the wires we were originally getting when, when first creating the product. Um, I think the second that you, when you're walking down the street and your boobs are bouncing and you feel them and you're really, you really know that they are there and you're aware, that's a moment that your bra is not supporting you properly. Okay. And you definitely need to change it out. And then the last one I would just say is if you're constantly adjusting your straps and having to make them tighter, it means the elasticity is going and you need to get a new bra. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to make swimwear, please? Because I can't find a bathing suit. It's like a joke. The amount of buying and returning I do from like all these companies, like I'll spend $1,000 on a swimsuit if it just fucking fits me. We are going to make swimwear. Thank God. Oh, I'm so excited to see some of these silhouettes and also to be able to have swim that actually fits your size. Right? I mean, they're small, extra small. small medium, large. That doesn't work, man. Right? It's wild. Terrible. And also functional swimwear. Yeah. I'm excited to have something where I can wear it as my bra under a t-shirt because I don't change out of my bathing suit when I'm at the beach. I want to live in it. Yeah. I want to ride a bike in it. I want to go on a hike. Um, So having something that like looks really good, but you feel supported and fits you. Totally. Can't wait. Oh, I will be there. I'll be that stalker that's like at your house. Amazing. So uh, what is next aside from swimwear or what are you working on that's exciting and feeding you soul-wise? Soul I'm really excited about getting deeper into some of the topics on Body Talk. So there's a couple different buckets that we really care about and, and they're We've, we started listening to the community and the stories that we feature, um, which we feature one story a week of a woman who just really inspires us. We'd love to have you. Hey. 
be amazing. And essentially, we try, there's there's a couple themes that have popped up that are just inherently female. And they can be anything from fertility, but what does the conversation mean for a person who's 20 or 60? Um, they can be around social perfectionism. So what is that, you know, it's what's the feeling of all of these different things that we're constantly inundated with on social media and how is that mentally affecting us as women? Um, how we feel, how we look at ourselves and how kind of we position ourselves in the world. Then there's leadership and just kind of what we deal with in terms of the workplace, um, women's rights. And then lastly is is health and talking about breast cancer and different things that we're affected with. Um, and, and that's something actually at COP that a lot of people in the office have been affected with from a family member and different things. So so having these conversations, but making them really educational and giving people kind of toolkits per se that they can actually action off of. So we're looking at is, you know, what are the mediums we're telling that in? Video, podcasts, partnerships with uh, editorial publications. How are we really kind of like getting deeper with experts and sharing these stories? And then what's the community or... Um, we're essentially platform where we can bring people together and connect and, and really create like those meaningful moments where where you're learning and you're you're emotionally connecting with the subject, not just a peer group, meaning like a 25 year old could be with a 65 year old and we're still talking about the same thing and learning from each other. Yeah. And that's what keeps me like gets me up every day. Awesome. I was uh, speaking on a panel last week and I had a moment where I was like, oh, I said something really smart. And it was that <laughs> like people talk about brands having values and customers only support brands right now that have values. And I was like, I feel like men, men, maybe not all men, men and some women are sitting there like, haha, let's have value so we can make more money. And I was like on stage, I was like, this doesn't mean you actually make more money. It just means you're creating a better world. And that's better for everybody, but you can't think of the ROI, at least I can't, as like, if I'm going to support this, it doesn't mean that someone buys my bag. Completely. She still wants her Chanel sometimes, yeah. you know? Absolutely. You should buy my bag, but like, I get it. You should buy your bag. So have you guys looked at it through the lens of like, you're creating just more powerful women and it's not necessarily about, it's not hitting your bottom line? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the second that you start to actually like look at kind of like what those KPIs are around like revenue and different things and tying community building to it, you you lose what actually the community is about and Correct. what it means. So yeah, I think for us, it's if we can inspire and have these conversations and make women say like, thank you, you're actually making me feel or look different, look at myself yeah. differently. Yeah. That's everything. Totally. So you probably know this from listening, but what are, what is something I'd be surprised to know about you? Oh, the tough question. Um, <laughs> uh, so I would say I think one thing when people meet me working in fashion and, and living in New York, I'm an ex like I have a love for outdoors and adventure like no other. Like I've sailed with my boyfriend and one other person from South America to North America. No way. I have. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, you you weren't at any time worried about flipping over or sharks? Not at all. Wow. And, and it was four hours on, four hours off. So you were for 24 hours for eight days. It was bizarre. Um, and then just last summer, my, we, we like to plan these big trips. So we did... Um, 300 miles on bikes in Sicily. And it's always about kind of how can we get self-propelled? Like, how can we get from one place to another? And that's that's kind of like what I live for outside of work. I'd love that. So how fun. long does 300 miles on a bike take? Um, it can take some people three days. In Sicily, it takes like 
six for me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was so hot. But you stopped and had wine along the way and some exactly. good pasta and pizza. It's perfect. Okay. That's the thing I love too. You can <laughs> eat and drink whatever you want. It's totally. Amazing. Back to the sailing thing. You weren't scared of like the white squalls or like nothing? There was, there was one moment I was scared um, because we were, so we were off the coast of um, French Guiana and you have to constantly search for uh for small boats because there's a system called AIS, which essentially picks up larger boats. Um, and, and all these tiny fishermen, you can't pick up because they don't have that system. So essentially you're looking and sometimes it's pitch black, but you're looking for these boats um, and you don't know who could be on them. And um, I'd seen a boat and then I was on watch and then all of a sudden a squall hit and it was kind of a big storm, but the sails were up and I... I'm there. I really don't know what I'm doing. It's really the two guys who are kind of driving this forward. And um, essentially I had to get, the captain came up and we had to get the sails down really quickly. But I just realized the power of the wind and also we're going towards a boat and I don't know how we can change course so quickly. And that was probably one of the moments I was scared. Gosh, wow. (laughs) I love a boat, but (laughs) just for the day. Yeah. And then what is some advice you'd love to give to our listeners, either hard-won advice or someone gave it to you and you want to pass it on? So one thing I like think about a lot at CUP is so we're in such a data-driven world. And as a business owner, you are constantly given data, and which I think can either lead you or help inform decisions. But I think that always relying on instinct and gut um, is number one and making sure that you you take the data in, but you kind of follow your passion and follow follow your gut. Um, and I think that's like the the advice that I struggle with every day, but it's kind of the most um, effective and, and meaningful advice that I have. Awesome. And where can we buy your beautiful, beautiful bras? Oh, thank you. So it, the website is www.shopcup with two U's. Dot com, um, But we also have fittings, so you can schedule a fitting on the website or you can actually come into our showroom in Soho and we can sell bras there as well. Great. I feel like I'm going to break your system when you come measure me because you'll be like, we did, We can't help you. Get out of here. <laughs> Don't be silly. No, I can't. I can't wait to get you in cut bras and, and I want to hear how you feel. Well, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. This is great. That was Abby Morgan, the founder of CUP, C-U-U-P. And you can follow her on Instagram at C-U-U-P and uh, fall in love with her products.